guys, welcome back to another episode of Sunday School at Modern Mystic Shop. My name is Kelly Knight. I am the shop owner and your host of this podcast, where every week we talk about a different subject matter and you get to listen in on our live classroom that we have every Sunday at our shop in Atlanta. We bring in a new teacher and discuss a new topic. And before we get into this week's topic, I want to share something that is a little bit related. If you go to modernmysticshop.com, you'll notice after you scroll down after the first header image, we have these things called shop by solution. And today's episode, we're going to be talking about intuition and a very specific form of intuition, which is your clear audience. So if you shop by solution on our website and click on intuition, it will pop up all of the tools, including crystals and apothecary items and different ritual items that would be helpful for you to help you build your intuition. And if you're interested in this topic, which is called the divine ear, which is about clairaudience, potentially you might be interested in some of these tools that we have used as a modern mystic team and me personally to help deepen and grow my intuition, especially clairaudience, because that is my personal strongest psychic sense. And if you don't know what clairaudience is I'm so glad that you're here because Tay the Witch Goddess is one of our most talented tarot readers at the store and among many, many other things. She's got so many degrees. She's studied so much really interesting stuff. Um, And she is here this week to discuss what she calls the divine ear, which is clairaudience and how to use and develop that psychic skill and that intuitive skill. And so without further ado, I would love to introduce to you Tay the Witch Goddess and the topic of the divine ear. My name is Tay. Um, I'm a professor of race, gender, and sexuality studies. I'm also a scholar, artist, a mystic, and a wellness practitioner. I was away in the Midwest for about six to eight long years, so when I say I'm happy to be back in the South to this hospitable welcome, I really mean that. Um, In addition to that, um, I'm from South Carolina. I'm based here in Atlanta now, where I offer um, readings part-time here with the shop. Um, My brand is The Witch Goddess or thewitchgoddess.com, and my practice is The Witch Goddess Sacred Wellness, where I specialize in tarot and astrology readings, um, trauma-informed shadow work coaching, Reiki energy healing, as well as therapeutic and tantric touch. Um, And I also offer couples consultations in terms of the tantra work as well. I've been really happy and blessed to be a part of the Modern Mystic Shop um, in terms of this really being a beautiful and brave space to have these kinds of spiritual and metaphysical conversations that really bridge mind, body, and spirit, centering the heart. And that's something that I kind of want you to just hang on to as it's relevant to the topic today, the divine ear, where we'll be talking about clear audience, which is the psychic gift of clear hearing. So this will really kind of be an entry because talking about the clears and any clear gifts can be really, really extensive. So I'm going to really try to pack a lot of information in um, to make this really informative and worth your time. But in general, too, um, this notion of bridging mind, body, heart, and spirit is relevant to what it means to understand, harness, um, and exercise any sort of spiritual, mystic, or creative gift. 
And in the description, I specifically mentioned um, that I was calling in people who are musical artists, um, creatives, teachers, or writers um, who maybe feel like their spiritual intuition and discernment is deepening and who may be interested in how these experiences translate into mystic knowledge um, and just knowledge about mystic gifts in general. And specifically because my spiritual awakening happened at all of those intersections. Um, and they happened in this really divine way in terms of my spiritual awakening and the development of my clear audience and creative gifts just happening simultaneously and at all of these different intersections were the ways that I channel and incorporate all of those different things, actually. And it also happened um, in a moment of being a teacher and a writer who was writing about and researching Afro-diasporic um, histories of sound and musical cultural production and its relationship to spiritual catharsis post-transatlantic slavery. And this was in a high stress and extremely non-spiritual environment. And that actually helped me to discern the difference between mind chatter linked to stress and anxiety um, and things like ego and the presence of clear cognizant and clear audience activity that was actually happening and was also a part of the research. Um, in terms of me being divinely led by spirit and receiving these psychic messages and direction via sound and ideas. So today, some of what I'll be focusing on is this question of how to discern the difference, right, between that mind chatter and a clear audience mystic gift in particular. And clear audience, again, is the psychic gift of clear hearing. And time permitting, we'll understand a bit about the diverse historical relationship between sound, listening, spirituality, and clairaudient divination, and then also explore um, just a few little exercises um, for you to exercise your divine ear. And in so doing, I'll get to share a bit more about my story, how this resonates for black creatives and others specifically in the religious South, and maybe even share some tidbits of the art that I ended up co-creating with Spirit in this class too. So I wanna actually start with some definitions of the clairs slash clear audience, then a bit about that experience, how I channel, because it weaves together all of these parts and speaks to the core of what Spirit was also kind of urging me to focus on today, which are awakening experiences, which, if we're talking about tarot, can also be thought of as these tower experiences, these cataclysmic disruptions, right, that are meant to push us into quiet, into receptive states, and into that deep relationship with spirit, sound, and hearing, so that we can learn to listen. Because listening is an active thing. And then, um, from there, we get to understand how we stream consciousness or creative insight. And from there, we can develop a more grounded and uh, less stressful relationship with our ways of creating and channeling and divining so that it can be more of a flow. So we're all creatives and creators of something, 
but I'm curious, do we have any artists, creatives, teachers, or writers here? Show of hands. Well, hello, hallelujah. <laughs> so I'm curious, I would love for some of you to share what brought you here um, in terms of maybe a personal experience or even a question related to this topic. So I'm a singer, and um, I've been getting just a lot of <sighs> uh, <laughs> I've been getting a lot of messages, a lot of signs and signals um, in different ways. Uh, one of the ways is, um, and this might just be like, and you'll, maybe you'll cover this, but sound energy. Um, we were out, my best friend and I were out camping and we went to this clearing and she went about, I don't know, 100 feet off. She was far away. And I'm hearing a lot of just static and then some voices and then some, you know, weirdness. Um, my shows have transformed a little bit. Um, there's just a, a lot of, again, that sound energy. Uh, it's kind of... At first, it was a little disruptive during a show because <laughs> you're like hearing more than just the band. You're hearing more than just the crowd. You're, there's something else happening, like a, a strange static. Um, and then I just kind of meditated with it, and it's. I think I'm becoming friends with it. <laughs> but I just want to understand it better and see if that has anything to do with what you're talking about. Also, I had a reading yesterday, or day before yesterday, and the first thing he said to me was, I hear you. That's a message that needs to that you need to keep, or something that, that keeps coming up for you is, I hear you, I hear you. So then I woke up this morning, checked the schedule, and I'm like, yeah, I need to be here today. <laughs> wow, wow, that's really amazing. That's really amazing. Um, anyone else burning to share? Uh, so for me, I think that, so I had my natal chart read a little bit more in depth, probably about four or five months ago, and there was something that stood out to me. So the person who read my natal chart, it was like a virtual reading, and she contacted me a couple hours after she had read it, and she was like, I think you need to look up clairsentience. I think you need to look into what that is. And so I was very familiar with clairvoyant as probably most of us are, and we've heard that term. I had no idea. Even as someone with like a decent spiritual foundation, there were multiple Claire's. And so when I looked up Claire Sentient and I was able to verbalize and validate something that had been true for me my entire life, it was earth shattering in terms of spiritual growth, in terms of understanding who I was. And so because I was able to do that, I think that understanding all of the Claire's is a really important component of me understanding who I am. I think as somebody who falls in that Claire family, we all have a little bit of all of them and one is just more prevalent. So I think it's really important to, and kind of like a duty to ourselves to explore what spirituality can look like in the broadest spectrum possible. So for me, this was a very important class for me to be present at just because it helps me to deepen my understanding of myself. Thank you, T. Thank you. Goodness. So that's perfect. Um, 
So I'm going to go ahead and get into the definition, right? So the clairs is kind of a shorthand word that is used to refer to the, myth, the mystic gifts that allow us to perceive subtle energy and messages that are for our guidance, that are for healing, and also for attracting those things that are most resonant with our highest good and our own energetic fields, right? Um, and like T said, they essentially resonate with all of our different senses, right? Sound, sight, well, hearing, sight, smell, taste, etc. cetera. Um, and what's really important to understanding them all the more is just having a really base foundation of what energy is. So energy is vibrating information, right? Just at its most basic level, it's vibrating information. Um, and it ranges from light, fast moving, unseen, subtle energy, to slower moving, dense matter that we can see, touch, and feel. And everything is composed of energy and is electric. And you can see, touch, discuss, and prove the existence of these slow energy objects. But most of the energy in this world can't be seen, heard, or touched through our typical five senses, even though they can be scientifically sensed in terms of electric current. So the light moving and subtle energy, it moves so fast that we can't perceive it, but, but can only notice its effects. That's until you become more in tune with ways to sense it, right? So we are also all composed of energy and electricity. Our cells are moving electric matter. And as our cells compose everything, we have an energetic anatomy, right? Composed of our physical, denser energy mass, such as our organs, our tissues, etc but also our spiritual energetic anatomy, which is that lighter, etheric, subtle energy matter. And we also have an energetic boundary that prevents us from being so overwhelmed by all of this energy that's constantly moving around us. So we're composed of energy, are electric, because energy in motion produces electrical currents and magnetism, right? And this is the stuff that also composes feelings literally on the most basic level of the word. So our feelings, our thoughts, our intellect, our energy as well, generated from our main electromagnetic organ centers, such as our brain and our heart. Okay. And so emotions, thoughts, these things generating our needs, contributing to our inherent beliefs and our spiritual essence. Essentially, that's how it all works. Right? Um, and some really good resources to learn more and more about all of these things in depth is um, a lot of the work by Cindy Dale. We do carry, I think, one of her books here. Um, but she has so many, so many books on all the different clairs, actually that can give you more detail, all right? So intuitives, healers, visionaries, and shamans have been and are able to perceive the energetic fields. They've always been the ones to. 
And they've been able to see and work with the three systems that link our, our physical and spiritual energies and interact to form our overall energetic anatomy. So the chakras is the most well-known, right? We've all kind of heard of chakras, I'm sure. And essentially, these are the energy centers that hold energy. And then the meridians, or the channels, they circulate or they spread the energy. And then there's the fields, which essentially extend from the skin, encapsulating or shielding the body, and that senses the energy around and outside of us. And it also sends out the energy from our chakra centers, essentially drawing in, but also keeping out energy as well. And then our electromagnetic field is our life energy field. And this is what you might hear people refer to as the auric field, right, or our aura, right? And so people who are clairvoyant, a lot of the times when they say they can see your aura, that is what they're referring to. Literally, that energy that is circulating around our body in our electromagnetic field in terms of how our cells, our feelings, the state of everything working within us emanates out this energy. Okay. So yeah, so the phrase, I can sense or read people's energy or their aura or even being like someone's energy is off, you know, it's real and it emanates from that. And our energetic fields experience and respond to energies in motion, which are emotions, our feelings, our thoughts, also toxins and trauma, which is essentially blunt negative force, right? as well as healing energies and loving emotions and thoughts. And that's also why the phrase protect your energy is very real and important. And it's also why highly sensitives, intuitives, healers, etc., have to take a particular kind of care of themselves. But it's also why we have to take good care of children, right? When you think about it, they have pure hearts, um, and a developing brain and organs. And so they're literally developing the proper boundaries to sense danger at the same time as their primal like energetic centers are developing, right? Throughout their life. So this brings me to the importance of what I said earlier. Mind, heart, body, spirit. And this is how I refer to things. Not mind, body, soul. In many ways, um, people theorize the soul in a very abstract way. There's a lot of, there, there actually isn't consensus around what the soul is, right? So I prefer to think of it as mind, body, heart, spirit. And I think it's more accurate. <laughs> so science has quantified how the heart actually rivals and even surpasses the brain as our energy center with its electromagnetic field emanating at least four to six feet away from the body. And so this means we're able to exchange energy with others near us, but also swap energy with people hundreds of miles away. The human energetic field invites energy and information exchanges between people we have never met, but also between the living and the dead. 
and between people from the future as well as in the present. Okay. So also thinking about um, saying mind, heart, body, spirit, it coincides with the ways that um, things like ethnic studies, for instance, African American studies, Latin American studies, all of the ethnic studies, as well as women of color feminist studies in particular, have critiqued the Western Eurocentric and patriarchal modes of knowing, as well as our entire education system for the ways that it's built on historically privileging rational knowledge, rational intellect, over feeling and sensation and spiritual ways of knowing, embodied knowing, embodied knowledge. And these were always central to the knowledge systems of people of color. And also in terms of our history, it's what has been used to essentially justify um, our, dehumani our dehumanization and our colonization over time. Right? So in another way too though, in terms of the history of clear audience and its relationship to religion, it's also incredibly hypocritical and irrational <laughs> in some ways um, as um, all religious systems are actually founded on these stories and parables and moments where there's someone who receives a message, who receives a message, right, or insight, um, some sound, some word, some sort of sight, right, from a spirit or just some knowing, right? These have all been foundational to the sort of ways that um, religious knowledge has been transferred, has been thought of as coming into existence, actually. So sound. Sound is what we hear based on vibrational energy, creating waves that comes into contact with other matter. So to tie this back around, the clear gifts are those mystic gifts of being able to perceive this etheric light and subtle energy as we're also energy. And it ranges from be, being able to sense it via sight, which is clairvoyance, via feeling and relating, clear empathy, clear sentience, clear audience, which is clear hearing, and there's many more. But also these gifts and strengthening them correspond to the chakra centers. So clear audience, the psychic gift of clear hearing resonates with the throat chakra as well as the crown. But also um, the sacral in terms of being able to translate feeling, sensations, right? into words. So clear audience, it can resonate inside the mind or enter through the ears. And it can consist of words, statements, dialogue, humming, chanting, static, like Luna was saying, loud sounds, whispers, poetic recitations, or other forms of vocalizations and verbalizations, 
from a human, whether dead or alive, or an otherworldly source, right? Angels, ascended masters, archangels. And these psychic sounds can be packaged as mundane or supernatural. So for instance, a message can be delivered um, in so many different formats. It can be a synchronistic audible blip in a television commercial or a lyric in a song, which is one of the ways that messages often come through me. Um, it can also be dispensed through a ghost, an angel, or even an aspect of your higher self, right, that speaks entirely within your mind. And while most clear audience messages are communicated verbally, others are delivered through writing. Um, it can also be sound bites that can be, or that must be decoded from your bodily sensation or feeling. Clear audience channeling can manifest as medium channeling, getting in touch with that otherworldly spirit or source, speaking in tongues, which was something that I witnessed a lot growing up in the country church <laughs> in the South, where everybody in my family was a preacher, a deacon, or a singer on the choir. We call them sangos. Okay. <laughs> it can also happen through clear audience writing, right? Which was one of my experiences too when I was doing my PhD, where it was like, citations and being able to prove and cite your sources and where the information is coming from is so important, it's mandatory. But I had these moments where it was just like, I didn't know where it was coming from. I didn't know, I literally didn't know. Sometimes I would have these moments where I was writing something and then I would read it back later or maybe later after I turned it in or just after I'd taken a break from it and went back to it and just didn't even remember it coming. Didn't even remember what I wrote, you know? So, something that's also, um, I think, really important to know is that sound, clear audience, and creative expression and output, they all have a really sacred and cyclical sort of relationship with each other. They also have a relationship to the sacred and the secular. Right. Also too, hearing requires positionality. The ways that we make sense of sensations um, and the things that come through us in a lot of ways is always affected by our cultural positionality, um, even our gender. Um, the state of integration between our divine masculine and feminine, all of those things are important and play a part. And the way I think about it is that creative spiritual energy output manifests as that threshold of spiritual surrender and co-creation and embodied catharsis, right? And this is where our cultural histories and circumstances come into play, as well as um, the sort of level of work we've done in um, 
integrating our divine feminine and masculine. Um, it says something about how much the divine feminine has worked on us, right? To get us into that state of being open, being a channel, being vulnerable. Also, the state of our chakras plus the art of listening and our relationship to the divine feminine as well as stress affects all of this. And this is where I wanna sort of emphasize and land on. Kind of bringing in something about awakening experiences and the ascension process that we're all kind of going through as a planetary shift, but are also experiencing differently individually in terms of getting in tune with, sensing, and working with energy in sustainable ways. So awakening experiences force us to align our divine feminine and masculine in a variety of ways. The divine feminine teaches us to get quiet, to feel, to listen, to soften, to open, and to be a channel. To get into a receptive state, sometimes through micro and macro learning experiences and processes of purging, release, but also developing trust in something outside of man and our ego. And in terms of tips, it's about that beautiful balance of trust, being in a receptive and flow state from having tapped into and dropped into your heart space, having calmed your breath, and having created an energetic intention of trust and openness, and releasing worry and anxiety. And in a lot of ways, dropping into your heart actually automatically works to calm your breath. But some of this depends on your ritual practices as well. But I, it's also important to note <laughs> that um, our Western, Euro-American, white supremacist world structures and our different levels of oppression and privilege affect our relationship to calm, to ease, and to being able to access these flow states, right? And a lot of people like to skip over that. I don't. <laughs> All right. So, because um, it's important to know that um, what's embedded in these structures is mental poisoning, is spiritual warfare, which also affects our nutrition, us being able to access safe space or brave space, right? So, one of the exercises that I want us to do quickly is just take a minute and think about your to-do list, actually. Think about your to-do list. Think about all the shit you got to do when you leave here. All the shit you got to do on Monday, okay? The work week. See? Okay. All right. All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> so here's the next thing. What I'd like you to do is to take a breath and then place your hand on your heart.
What do you notice? Anybody? You said it made you more calm and more relaxed. Did anyone else experience that? Yes. We have a bunch of head nods. Perfect. Perfect. So, as someone who also, bless you, as someone who um, also suffers from anxiety, this is, this is actually one of the easiest and quickest ways to like calm anxiety and stress. Bless you. And what it does, it calms your breath. If you even want to put a hand on your gut at the same time, it helps to relax your gut as well. Um, and one of the things you'll notice too is with it calming your breath, easing the tension in your gut, is that it automatically relaxes your shoulders. We hold so much tension in our shoulders. We hold yeah, a lot of it in our shoulders, right? Um, and one of the reasons is because it's, it's that connection with your heart, literally. It's that connection with your heart in combination with the importance of touch, okay? The importance of loving touch. So, Skin is our largest organ. And that shield between our energetic fields and organs, like our heart, our brain, all the other things, right? And we need touch for many reasons. It helps with practicing and sensing energetic communication. It also helps with our cardiovascular or heart health. But importantly, it's rituals of touch and breath and dropping into your heart that help with raising any of your clear gifts, that help with activating them, strengthening them, right? But this doesn't have to be with another person, right? And I think that's also the beauty of it. Um, because in general, we gotta be able to love ourselves <laughs> before we can love anybody else and give it to anyone else, right? And it's also something that I think helps us to understand that that is at the core of it being sustainable as well. If you do any sort of creative work, if you do any sort of spiritual or help-based work. So often, awakening experiences do require solitude and getting a handle on your gauges with the help of rituals as well as external sensory things that help to create calm and flow for you so that you can be in tune with how you translate different feelings and sensoriums, right? This is also what can help you understand the difference between being anxious and forcing versus being open, being relaxed, being receptive, and thus able to listen. Right? And listening is an active thing, right? 
Listening means registering sound up against silence. Or coming to hear and note that thing which was previously unheard. So alone time is important to becoming alert to how you receive messages. And I like to think of it as the labor of translation. A lot of the times we have to do the labor of translation all the time, depending on where you work, right? Going in and out of different spaces. Maybe if you work in professional environments um, where you have to code switch, or maybe even if you're a queer person and you can't always be your queer or ratchet self around your family, who's very religious. Maybe I'm speaking from experience. <laughs> okay, so sound is energy and motion. It's created and altered by our context. It's altered by the instrument, whether it's, whether it's our body, that's the instrument, or technology. Right. And one way to think of it at the intersection of mysticism and being a creative artist is storytelling. Right. Literally telling the story of energy. And asking yourself, what is the feeling? What is the emotion that you feel? What is the emotion that you hear? How can you translate that into some other sense, right? What does it inspire in you? So for me, um, I grew up in a spiritual and musical family, right? I mentioned that to you all. The preachers, the singers, who always channeled through music from the dead, with the dead, and to the dead. My mother always sings at funerals. <laughs> She's always singing at funerals. Um, but it wasn't something that I really understood and appreciated until much later, in terms of the power of it, in terms of what she was actually doing, in terms of channeling, and being in communion with spirit across spheres, you know? I also was always someone who was involved in um, art in some way, whether it was dance, being on the bands, having to sing in the choir. <laughs> I had to leave my first song at the age of three, okay? Singing in the choir actually was not a choice. I didn't have a choice. I didn't have a choice, okay? Didn't have a choice. <sighs> But one of the instruments that I gravitated to um, while I was playing in the band was the flute. And I always remembered thinking and feeling, you know, how wind instruments had angelic tones, um, that it was a way of speaking to the angels, you know, or angels talking to us. And I always remembered my grandmother saying, um, how, you know, babies are always in conversation with the angels in part two because of their pure heart, right? And 
So it was that combination of those things, the way that dance kept me in flow with activating my solar plexus, my sacral and my root chakras. Um, all of those things stayed with me, right? But then I got into school, right? Again, this really constricting environment, very constricting environment that in many ways caught, cut me off from spirit, cut me off from these regular sort of rituals of being in my body, um, being able to have embodied catharsis through expression, music, creative expression, all of those things. And I experienced a spiritual constipation. This is literally what one of my readers told me, that I was experiencing a spiritual constipation. Um, and I was also in the midst of all of my clairvoyant, my clairaudient gifts awakening, right? And so I had to get back in touch with it, essentially. And I remember after I had that reading, um, well, before that, I had also had my natal chart reading. And I had a natal chart reading, I had a past life reading, I had all these different readings that said the same thing, right? That I was gonna have a career in music, that it was something with music and something with being a spiritual healer in some way that was a part of my purpose. I didn't know what that was supposed to look like. But after I had that reading with my reader who told me um, that I was experiencing spiritual constipation, I had been toying around with the idea of feeling like um, I wanted to learn how to DJ. You know, it was something that I wanted to do. And I was teaching myself at the time, but I wasn't really consistent with it. Literally, after I had that reading, I made my first mix. I made my first mix. I just made it. I made the whole thing, and it was pure spirit. It was pure spirit, and it was purely me teaching myself, but also spirit, just being like, there are these things that need to come out of you. There are these things that we want you to share about this story connected to these different Orisha that were my guides <laughs> that were a part of these stories that I was supposed to tell, right? Also connected to some of the research that I was doing, literally about Afro-diasporic cultural production and spirituality, right? So all of that happened. And I also kind of want to share, um, well, before that. So that also kind of, um, gives you a little bit of the backstory in terms of what, I, what it is that I do now, how that all came together, right? Um, so being able to channel and use all of these different modalities as just tools from having been broken open, literally, from having lost so much and having had to have this long, almost two-year time period of being in solitude, of getting connected, of becoming a channel, literally, being broken over. 
um, where I was able to hear, where I was forced to listen. And from there, I figured out these different ways that I was supposed to channel, right? And that came together for me in terms of using tarot and astrology, angel numbers, um, as well as sound. So if you go to my website, one of the things that you'll see is I do these regular full moon forecasts. And essentially, they are these forecasts that kind of tap into the collective consciousness, getting some insight into what sort of spiritual lessons um, the collective is sort of being asked to master and integrate at the time. And it offers some astrology insight, some tarot clarification, a channeled angel number, but also dope new music that literally always comes out like the day before the full moon, right? Um, and, it, and it literally always kind of blows my mind too in terms of how that happens. <laughs> um, because it'll, it'll be this thing too where I have to just like, I have to just be, right? Not force myself to, to rush when I need to post this, put this post up, right? I have to get out of my own way with that in terms of expectations and a deadline that I set for myself. And whenever I do that, the music appears at the right time, right? I also kind of want to give a little bit of insight into how some of my, um, how some of this research um, from sound studies, particularly as it resonates to um, black people's relationship to music, um, kind of influences this too, right? So generally, it's not common knowledge that foregrounding bass and percussion has a sonic, aesthetic, and performative history rooted in African cosmological, non-written forms of knowledge production and communication, as well as black diaspora liberation struggles against colonialism, right? So black cultural studies scholars have explored the ways that black diasporic people use music and technological innovation to express what it means to be black and contend with the fractured, transient, and socially produced nature of their subjectivity and oppressed status under these transnational processes of nation formation. Sound system culture and subsequently bass culture are examples. This is what some of my work is about, okay? So Julian Henriques is the scholar that really introduced this concept of base culture, right? And he introduced the concept of sonic diaspora and base culture where base culture is characterized by this combination of black sonic, musical, and technological innovations that originated in Jamaica, right? That foreground these lower base frequencies these lower bass frequencies, but also the sound system and the musical styles of reggae, dub, and dancehall. And then also the corresponding low bass corporeal vibrations of dance and performance as well. And then also the creation of these political acoustic spaces 
that we would call dance halls, carnivals, and fests. And that I connect to our club spaces, right? These other spaces that we've continued to create across time as well. So he uses the idea of sounding and musicking to demonstrate how the standard notion of sound and music are actually not useful articulations in explaining the meaning of sound in music productions in black culture or the relationship between the body, nature, and technology. He understands sound as consistent stasis, as kinetic activity, as performance and auditory vibration, transcending forms and tenses as a becoming. So he gives an overview of sound as an action, a noun, and an encapsulation of social and cultural processes that have effects, embodiments, and performances. It's the organizing component of music, the configuration of character, but also the mechanic and machinic dynamics of auditory events. So musicking is his inclusive term to describe translating sound into music, whereby sounding or speaking or communicating includes all of these non-Western forms of expression and physical, social, and technological labor and innovation. Because it was through the body moving sound as much as sound moved the body that black people created the sound system actually, the sound system. <laughs> and all of these sort of foundational forms of music that have now, through transnational processes, right, of dialogue, have really created hip hop. Created hip hop and really the center of what the music and entertainment industry and all of these other derivative forms of music are built on, literally. So he documents how the sound system developed in tandem with these music forms of reggae, dub, and dance hall, where they foregrounded bass. And it was also about spirituality and the relationship between the body, nature, ethereality, and technology. And it's also connected to Rastafarianism Right, where Rastafarianism was a religious movement with origins in the early 20th century Jamaica that addressed these issues of injustice of black people in Africa and the Caribbean. And music and marijuana actually were integral to connecting with the spiritual and this anti-colonial message by inducing ethereality. And then recording studios and sound systems were used as these reproduction systems of the vibrations. And so dub was a byproduct of the studio sessions where they, in the mastering process, they turned down the vocals, turned up the prominence of drum and bass, integrated reverb and echo, and the rupture of vocals and chords, and bled them all into each other. And so it's common to hear uh, the phrase that Dove or Duffy meant the ghost in the machine, 
And it was them bringing together the spiritual, the anti-colonial with technology. So this sound became its own thing, but genealogically, it's connected to the spiritual dimension of that Rastafarian anti-colonial religious belief, okay? So base culture, a lot of what we see as even derivatives of it was born out of marginalization and resistance and literally musicking from the body. So I think too, um, one of the things that was always um, a way that I really connected with uh, a lot of my friends, I always ended up with friends who were also music artists, who had some sort of musical background. And the ways that we communicated a lot was through the ways that we described and translated feelings um, that we couldn't put into words through a song reference or just a vibe and action, right? Just really always having this really keen way of translating um, a feeling into a sound or via a reference to music, right? So, Another sort of exercise that I kind of want to do, and this can be our last thing, is for you to just like take out your phone, if you have a writing utensil, whatever, that's fine too. But to just sort of practice doing that. So as a DJ, one of the things that I do is I create these mixes for emotional alchemy, right? Um, and also the music that I link in my full moon forecast, the soundscapes, I also consider them to be correspondent and synchronistic sort of music um, that relates to the themes, but also that can provide some emotional alchemy as we're working to integrate and work through any lessons, right? And a lot of the music that I listen to does not have vocals. It's literally just these dope producers, right? creating a vibe. So I want to take a minute for you all to just listen to something and then practice translating what is the story? What is the feeling that this person was trying to convey? What is it inspiring you? What about the first part of the song? How did that feel? What was the story? Anybody? A volunteer? Yeah. Okay, so walking through and persevering through darkness, right? And then, yeah, you're right, there was a shift, right? And then what, what, what was the rest? What happened? What, what happened?
So dark, and then it got wavy and sensual. Yes. Okay, so the first part was intimidating, you mentioned, dark, um, but then researching and coming to find, being in process. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay, yeah, beautiful, yes. Wait, say it again. Okay, serene. Mm, productive. trying to save it so there was this it was it just it resonated loneliness and hope though there was like this little bit of sliver of hope trying to trudge through this this darkness um, the second part seemed not maybe not completely unrelated but um, I got <laughs> I don't know I, I, I felt like um, more of that perseverance but trying to stay on task but you're fun, you're you're being succumbed, you're being overwhelmed by the mind chatter. Wow. Wow. Well, yes. I would say <laughs> so you have hmm, disappointment. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Vulnerability being unmasked after.
Yes, yes, we're coming center. Beautiful, beautiful. Oh gosh, <laughs> I feel so like overwhelmed and fooled by that. Thank you all for participating in that. Um, that was actually one of my mixes and it's called Dark Waters Trust. Um, very much was, very much was that story in a lot of ways. Um, when I was in school and dealing with a lot of loss, a lot of loneliness, but tapping into the angels, getting into my body, that sensuality that you mentioned, and trudging through, trudging through. Um, yeah. So I hope that these are some things that can just kind of help, <laughs> that can help some exercises to take with you um, as you continue in your own process of translation and tapping into your gifts um, and managing anxiety and turning down the mind chatter. Thank you so much. Definitely um, book with me. <laughs> Check out my website. You can find all of my mixes there as well. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Sunday School at Modern Mystic Shop. Please subscribe to this podcast to get new content every Sunday. You can also follow us on Instagram at modernmystic underscore shop. Thank you so much, and we will see you next Sunday.